If you have your Bibles this morning, I want to encourage you to go to Isaiah chapter 6. We begin a new series here in the book of Isaiah. And um, it's fitting to have this come right after our King's series as I introduce to you the prophet Isaiah. He was called by God to be a prophet to the nation of Judah, the southern kingdom. And he ministered during the reign of four different kings. King Uzziah, King Jotham, King Ahaz, and King Hezekiah. And there's also potential that he was still ministering um, when King Manasseh was in power. And we'll talk about that a little bit later. Isaiah is considered one of the greatest Old Testament prophets. And he gave powerful messages to the nation of Judah. Isaiah was a married man. He also had kids. And he was a scribe by occupation, or so it was thought. And uh, one day he has an encounter with the all-powerful God, and it changes the trajectory of his life forever. There was no more going through the motions. Isaiah knew he had to live for the Lord when he spent time in the presence of God. Isaiah's name means that the Lord is salvation or that the Lord saves. And he was a prophet for over 40 years. Some even would say he was a prophet for 55 to 60 years. Imagine having that long of a career. And when he comes on the scene, this King Uzziah, there was national prosperity, but there was a waning holiness in the nation of Judah. Prosperity, but not spiritually prosperous. Okay? Before we read here at the beginning of chapter 6, let's pray. This is God's word. He speaks to us. Let's ask his blessing over this time together. Father, as we enter into the text here today, the scriptures are alive, they're active. This is sharper than a double-edged sword, and it penetrates our hearts. And I pray, Lord, that your word would be just powerful today, speaking into our lives, guiding us and leading us, and help us to be ready to respond today. We thank you for this time. Please bless this time. Bless the kids as they're getting into the Word. We thank you for the ministries taking place in Jesus' name. Amen. Verse 1, remember King Uzziah. It says, it was in the year King Uzziah died. Now this is Isaiah speaking. He says, that I saw the Lord. He was sitting on a lofty throne, and the train of his robe filled the temple. And attending him were mighty seraphim, each having six wings. With two wings they covered their faces, with two they covered their feet, and with two they flew. They were calling out to each other. They said, Holy, holy, holy is the Lord of heaven's armies. The whole earth is filled with his glory. Their voices shook the temple to its foundations, and the entire building was filled with smoke. Then I said, It's all over. I am doomed, for I am a sinful man. I have filthy lips, and I live among a people with filthy lips. Yet I have seen the King, the Lord of heaven's armies." 
Then one of the seraphim flew to me with a burning coal that he had taken from the altar with a pair of tongs. And he touched my lips with it and said, See, this coal has touched your lips. Now your guilt is removed and your sins are forgiven. Then I heard the Lord asking, Whom should I send as a messenger to this people? Who will go for us? And I said, Here I am. Send me. And he said, Yes, go and say to this people, Listen carefully, but do not understand. Watch closely, but learn nothing. Harden the hearts of these people. Plug their ears and shut their eyes. That way they will not see with their eyes, nor hear with their ears, nor understand with their hearts, and turn to me for healing. Now that might seem a little confusing, but we're going to unpack that here in a moment. Now verse 11. Then I said, Lord, how long will this go on? And he replied, Until their towns are empty, their houses are deserted, and the whole country is a wasteland. Until the Lord has sent everyone away, the entire land of Israel lies deserted. If even a tenth, a remnant, survive, it will be invaded again and burned. But as a terebinth or oak tree leaves a stump when it is cut down, so Israel's stump will be a holy seed. All right, let's start unpacking this passage. The first thing we're going to talk about here is the first four verses. There is an encounter that Isaiah has with God Almighty. Can you imagine being brought into the throne room and absolutely blown away by the glory of God and these mighty seraphim that are around the throne. They're covering their eyes because the glory is so amazing. And let's talk about these seraphim for a hot second. And I kind of say that as a pun because the word seraphim actually means burning one or flames. They're on fire. Wouldn't that just be something? You're in God's presence. These flaming creatures with six wings are around the throne. And this is the only place in Scripture where we see the word seraphim actually used. You get a bit of a glimpse of it in Revelation 4 as it talks about all these different creatures around the throne saying, holy, holy, holy. But here we are seeing these six-winged creatures around the throne and shouting, holy, holy, holy. Now that's an expression sometimes referred to as a trihagion. And in the Greek language, it means thrice holy. Kind of an interesting thing. But in the Hebrew language, repetition of a word over and over would be indicating an emphasis. Kind of like what we would do today. If I said something over and over, you'd be like, wow, he's really trying to make a point. These seraphim are making a point. God Almighty is holy. He's holy. He's absolutely holy. He is set apart from all of creation, from everything else, and He is to be exalted above everything else. And I think if these flaming six-winged creatures are shouting about God's holiness, do we as humans 
take that serious? Is God set apart and exalted above all things in our life? Or do we begin to put things ahead of God, in front of God, above God, when God's rightful place is to be exalted in our lives? Well, Isaiah is blown away by God's holiness, by God's glory on display. And there's a point here in verse 5 where there's a recognition. Not just to the fact that he is with God, but he recognizes that he is sinful. Not that God is sinful, but that Isaiah is sinful. And he is freaking out. Some translations say, woe is me. And what I read, he goes, I'm doomed. He can't imagine, like, I, I'm, what I'm seeing, I'm not going to li- live through this. This is amazing, and I am not holy. I can't survive this. And to help us get a bit uh, of an idea of maybe how shameful that might have felt, or, or just how like you kind of shrink back, I actually thought of this when I got out of my vehicle here today, and it was just like this thought hit me. Imagine if your personal struggles were thrown up on the screen here this morning for the whole congregation to see it. And it had your name, and it had the things that took place this past week, or maybe even over the weekend. Maybe your browsing history on your computer, or shows the cabinets in your home and what you might be storing in those cabinets. We, we all can see it. Can you imagine how humiliating that would be and the shame that would come with that? You're thinking, my dirty laundry is being aired out in front of the whole congregation. Can you imagine that? Like it's, it's almost even unbearable to even think about that. And that doesn't even come close to what Isaiah probably felt when he was standing before a holy God. We should take that even more serious than what will other people think. I, sh- I should be thinking, what does God think of what happened this past week? What does God think when He sees what's in my cupboards? What does God think when He sees my browsing history? All of those things. What does God think when He sees how I treat my spouse and my kids and my coworkers or my employer or my employees? All of these things. What does a holy God think about these things? That should shake us even more than it being completely exposed to a bunch of people. That's what Isaiah felt, and he goes, I am doomed. I shouldn't even be in here right now. I'm going to die. God is so holy, and I am so sinful. And he says, I have unclean lips. Charles Stanley says that you'll never deal effectively with your sin without first realizing who God is. That's what you have to come to first. God is holy, and he hates sin. He hates it. Sin is rebellion. Against him. Sin separates us from a relationship with him. And when we have a relationship with him, sin strains that relationship. God hates sin, and yet we, as humanity, we play around with it. We get casual. 
We get flippant. We just go through the motions in life and we, we see this encounter that Isaiah has and he's trying to tell us about it. God is holy. We should respond to that. When you study God's Word, Stanley goes on to say that you grasp His holiness and then there's a deep reverence that should take place and grow in your heart, grow in your life, and you want to live for the Lord. You want to say no to sin. You want to change. And so that's what's taking place here in Isaiah's life. And then there's a moment where one of the seraphim comes over and takes a burning coal and puts it on his lips. I just think, what were the blisters like when that took place? (laughs) You know, on the Day of Atonement, when the sacrifice was being made to atone for the people's sins, there were burning coals that were taken in to the most holy place. So there's some significant things taking place here. The hot coal represents God's wrath and His purification. There is a wrath from God upon sin. And it needs to be dealt with. And the beauty in all of this is Jesus took upon our punishment took upon the wrath for our sin, and then gives us a purification. Purifies us for coming to Him and saying, Lord, I need You. And He gives that to us. And Isaiah 6, verse 8, after he has this encounter, he's been cleansed, now he's okay to be in the presence of a holy God because he's been cleansed. And now there's this memory verse that we had this past week. God's going, hey, whom should I send? And Isaiah says, here I am. Send me. So he encounters the Lord. He recognizes his need to be cleansed. He's then cleansed And now he's commissioned. He's commissioned. When we recognize how great our God is and how sinful we are and we realize the extent of God's forgiveness in our life, think about the things that God's forgiven you about. And I think about the things that God has forgiven me about in my life. And we receive all of that. We receive his power to then go and do his work. We're not cleansed to then just sit there and look pretty. We're cleansed to then go tell somebody, I was completely messed up and God transformed my life. You should meet Him. He'll change your life. There should be a desire that also comes. When we've been cleansed, truly cleansed, there should be a desire to go and serve the Lord. Not just punch a card in. Like, Remember when I said Isaiah had an encounter with the Lord and it transformed his life. It was no longer, I don't want to go through the motions anymore. And have you ever been at a place in your life where you felt like you were going through the motions? Anybody with me on that? Okay. Even your own pastor has times where he feels like he's going through the motions. And it's in the midst of those times where we have to, to take the time to recognize the greatness of our God, and when we do that, it brings us back 
into greater focus and we go, okay, get me out of this funk and let's get going. Satan would love to keep you in that funk. If he can distract you, he can stall you. I mean, think about the things that he can get us caught up in so that we're not being effective. We're not sharing about Christ with other people. We're not serving. And when we're not serving, we stall out. And then we go, man, I just don't feel it anymore. I feel like I'm just going through the motions. That's where we have to come back and say, I need to encounter the Lord. Lord, when I open up the scriptures today, I need you to meet with me. Encounter me in this time and help me. Help me to experience you so that I can go out and continue to serve. What's interesting in this is you talk about a pretty lengthy career here for Isaiah being a prophet, 40 plus years, maybe even up to 55 and 60. I think that's a long, long career of being a prophet and saying things that people may not always want to hear. Wasn't exactly a popular job. But imagine he's given this mission and then you think, as a preacher or a prophet, what's one of the most successful things you could be doing? And you think, we filled stadiums. And people came to know the Lord. And like, wow. And for how many decades, Isaiah's out there proclaiming truth, and nobody's responding. Instead, they're going out and they're continuing to live in disobedience. Like, how disheartening was that ministry? Are they even hearing me, Lord? But the Lord addresses that right out the gate when he calls him. There's a hardness of heart that is going on in these people. They are rebelling. And as you continue to speak to them and call to them and tell them we need to turn from our wicked ways and we need to, to get things right as you continue to give that message, the more and more that they do not respond to that, the more and more there's a hardness that's going to set in. And there's a bit of a mystery here, but there's a balance between the fact that they're hardening their heart by saying no to the things of God, and then He comes in and He also brings additional hardening. If you're not going to listen to me, then guess what? I'm going to start using your disobedience to still accomplish my purposes. That's a scary thing. That tells me is I want to be somebody who is responsive. When God says something to me, Lord, help me to respond. Don't help me to just sit here and be like, oh, that was a nice thing. And then I move on. If we don't respond, there can be this crust that forms on us. And a hardened heart is a very serious thing. And believers can begin to get a hard heart. Even though God's changed our heart, changed our life, we can start to tune some things out. And then before you know it, you, you psych this, this fade, and off we go in our own direction, and things that maybe once stirred us don't stir us anymore. Hardness is a very serious thing. Openness of faith is a gift of grace, but an unresponsive hearer will find that the message that's being delivered by the prophet, whether it's in Isaiah's day or whether it's right here in 2022, if you bring in a message from the Scriptures and we don't respond to it, it will actually harden your heart. When people refuse to respond to the Word of God, God gives them over to their hardness.
in the midst of all of this, the nation itself is not repenting, and judgment's going to come to them, and it's going to be serious. And they're going to be defeated and even taken into captivity. But even in the midst of this doom and gloom and, and the message he's proclaiming, there is something that Isaiah continues to speak over these people. And he says, but there's still hope. There's still hope. There's a day coming. And God's going to spare a remnant. And that's verses 11 through 13. Remember, Isaiah's name means the Lord is salvation, the Lord saves. God is even speaking prophetically through Isaiah's name, but he's speaking prophetically here in verse 13 specifically. In verse 13, when he tells Isaiah that even a tree, when the stump is cut down, Israel's stump will produce a holy seed. Then a few chapters later in Isaiah 11, verse 1, it talks about how out of that stump is going to come a shoot or a branch. And who do you think that branch is? It's actually Christ. Jesus is going to come onto the scene. Isaiah is speaking of a day where Jesus comes. And in Zephaniah 3.9, I thought this was interesting in my cross-reference and study, Zephaniah 3.9, he talks about this future day and the remnant, and it talks about how God will purify the lips of people that all of them may call on the name of the Lord and serve Him shoulder to shoulder. I think that is one of the coolest verses when you consider Isaiah chapter 6. Isaiah had this encounter in the presence of God, and he's been cleansed. His dirty lips have been cleansed, right? And that's more than just his lips. That's his, his heart. But he's purified. And then after he's purified, he's given this call and commission. And then he goes and he serves the Lord. And here we are. We're in the age of the church where Jesus Christ, we, we, we experience him in a way that's different than what was in the Old Testament. And the Bible is telling us that there's going to be a day where God will purify your lips and you'll be called to do things and we'll serve shoulder to shoulder. So in response to that, I just ask a few questions. Has God purified you? Have you had that encounter? Just like Isaiah, has the Lord met with you and you realized, just as he recognized that he was a sinner, have you come to a point in your life where you go, I am a sinner and I need cleansing? Just like Isaiah. And we call out to Christ to save us from our sin. And then when Christ saves us from our sin, he then equips us to do ministry. And you think, what kind of ministry have I been doing this past week? Think of that question. What kind of ministry have you been doing this past week? Just chew on that a little bit. And if you can't think of much, that's a problem. But we serve together shoulder to shoulder. There are an incredible amount of people here at church today. That's awesome. You know how many people in this tri-county little area here that aren't even in church today? They're not experiencing the power of God. 
But as we serve shoulder to shoulder, it doesn't say one day a week, but we go out from this place and we impact our communities for the sake of the gospel. And we see people encounter the Lord and receive this salvation. Zephaniah speaks of this day where you and I are serving shoulder to shoulder. You know, we can gain an encouragement from God's promise to preserve. Even though there's going to be a bunch of disobedience here by the nation of Judah, I'm still going to preserve a people, and out of that will come Christ, and then from out of that will come all these people who will be serving in the kingdom. You and I are recipients of that if we're in Christ. And we are set apart by God to do things for God and for His kingdom to see Him glorified and honored and praised. It's not about us. And when we have a proper view of God's holiness, you find out very quickly it is not about us. It's all about Him. Because if we stood in His presence even for just a moment, we'd go, I'm not worthy. And you're not. And the only way you can be in His presence is when you've been covered by the grace of Jesus Christ. He paid the penalty for your sin so that you can encounter the living God and not be completely consumed by His wrath. Thank you, Jesus. I talked a moment ago about Isaiah's life and his journey and having not a whole lot of listeners. Even though he spoke very powerful things, what's interesting here is in Hebrews 11, when it's the Hebrews Hall of Faith and all these different people who lived by faith, there's one individual in there where it says, you know, some of these people of faith, they died by stoning, or some were even sawed in half. And tradition would say that Isaiah was one of those individuals who was sawed in half. As I walk through a little bit of that tradition, it talks about how Isaiah was tied inside of a sack placed within the hollow of a tree trunk, and then sawed in two. I can't even imagine what that'd be like. But in the midst of that, to have that kind of conviction, to say, I'm going to continue to speak on behalf of God, I'm going to continue to live for God, even if my life is being threatened, I think it goes all the way back to Isaiah 6 where he had this encounter with a very real and holy God and he said, it's no longer about my life. It's all about what God wants to do. Even if it means my life is going to be taken from me. And in our culture, we're very cozy. And I think to some degree that's why we're casual. You hear of Christians in these other nations that they're, they're being martyred for their faith in Christ, and then we're going, I don't know, I'm just kind of scared to share my faith with a coworker. And we're like, what? I mean, think of how petty that is. And think of all the different activities that we have as a culture that these other nations don't have. 
And then we put things of the Lord kind of off to the side and we pursue all these other activities that they're important and we got to be here and we got to be there. And, and how many of you ever feel like you're on the busy train? And part of that might be that we don't have a big enough view of our God. And we've caused all these other things to get in the way of that view. So when I talk about all these things today, God's greatness, His holiness, Isaiah's response, and you see some of Isaiah's life story being played out, I just ask the question for all of us, well, how do we respond to this? Has the Lord cleansed my life? That's the first one. The second one is, is out of the outflow of that cleansing, am I serving? But the, the base of all of that is, what is my view of God and His holiness? Do I have a reverence and a fear of God Almighty and I think I need to respond to Him? Or are we going to tune Him out? That's really what it comes down to. Let's not be casual Christians. Let's not go through the motions. And listen to me. I am speaking to myself, not just to you. Let's respond. God is holy. Let's respond. Let's live our lives under His direction and under His Lordship. Would you pray with me as we close? Father, I come before you having access to speak to you because of what Christ has done. And Father, as we respond to Isaiah 6 and the things we've discussed here today, I pray, Lord, that we would get serious about our faith. Let's get serious about God Let's get serious about his activities. Let's get serious about what he wants to do. And so help us, Lord, to respond right now. And if there's someone listening, that right now, as you've been listening, you are recognizing how big God is and how holy he is, and you are recognizing how small you are and how sinful you are you are and you need to deal with that sin issue, I invite you to respond by putting your faith and trust in Jesus Christ who took upon the penalty for your sin so that you could have a relationship with a holy God. If you desire to put your faith and trust in Christ, just pray with me in your heart right now and say, Jesus, I need you. I am a sinner separated by God. I am unholy. I am unworthy. And I need Jesus in my life. So today I respond by grace through faith. Lord, forgive me of my sin.
come into my life and help me. Help me to live for the kingdom and for your glory. Help me to serve you from this day forward. And help me to live a pure life. Thank you. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.